Amen. Well, hey, we've been in the book of Isaiah for our Advent series. And um, so um, we're going to continue on in that this morning a little bit, but we're going to be in Matthew chapter 1. And I'm going to get you out here before 11 o'clock. That was my promise to you all. So uh, that's what we're going to do. And we welcome again those that are on Facebook. I was going to look to see how many we had there. There were several there. Um, Diane and the Wits are watching and Jamie. Uh, Jamie used to attend very faithfully. She lives in Lincoln and just doesn't have a ride here. So she is watching about every Sunday. And then Julie Munro, uh, that's Andy's, uh, part of Andy's family there. So uh, very faithful. So Georgia Walters. So and Adam just bumped on there. So yes, <laughs> he's, he's watching in real time here and here. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 1. So I'm going to do this kind of a little bit like a story since it is it is Christmas Day, all right? Is that all right? It is Christmas Day. So uh, we're going to be Matthew chapter 1, and then we're going to jump back to Isaiah, okay? Now, how many are Lord of the Ring fans? Huh? You've watched, how many have watched The Power of the Rings? So, yeah, all right. So th- th- that was inspired by who? J.R.R. R. Tolkien, right? Uh, he was kind of a contemporary with C.S. Lewis. But he c- coined a phrase called U catastrophe, spelled E-U catastrophe. So the, in the Greek, U means good, catastrophe means destruction. So it seems like they're kind of, you know, don't go together, right? But he coined the term to mean a sudden happy turn in a story which pierces with joy that brings tears. <laughs> it produces a peculiar effect because... It is a sudden glimpse of truth. And he would use that you catastrophe in, the, in reference to the resurrection. So it was this sad event, but then we see the glimpse of truth that what Jesus would accomplish, accomplish for us on the cross of Calvary. So when we talk about Advent, it was a happy turn of events um, that came out of despair, right? And we see that in the gospel story as well. And in Matthew, that God would be with us. So Matthew chapter 1 is where we're going to begin in verse 18. Uh, Look at Matthew's account. He says, this is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. um, But there came, well, before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. So that pledge is a little bit like engaged, but it was more like they were committed to one another. It couldn't be broken. You know, if you're engaged and you, you know, break off the engagement, you break it off. But being pledged was a little more of a serious thing, all right? Um, And so she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit, which was a problem, because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law, and yet he did not want to expose her to public disgrace, and he had mind to divorce her quietly. Just read a great thing about Joseph, and um, we know that when Jesus begins his public ministry, Joseph is no longer in the picture, right? But I think... We, um, we underestimate how that Joseph is described by Matthew as a faithful to the law. He was an upright man and just how he poured into the life of Jesus. You know, Jesus didn't become this great teacher and, and everything just because he was a son of God, but he had somebody that was pouring into him, that father figure of Joseph uh, that poured into him. Verse 20, but after he had considered this, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. Because that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. 
She'll give birth to a son, and you will give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and will give birth to a son, which, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. So, who's the prophet he's referring to? Who's the prophet he's referring to? Selena? That's one of your, what's one of your questions you have to know. You have to look in your footnotes. Isaiah, Isaiah, there you go. Okay, if you, if you need help spelling Isaiah, you have to ask your parents. Verse 24, when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him. He took Mary home as his wife, but he did not consummate the marriage. Okay, kids, you can ask your parents when you get home about that. Until she gave birth to a son, and she gave him the name Jesus. All right. So we, we see this story of what Matthew uh, talks about through the eyes of Joseph. And he refers to the prophet Isaiah, right, that this prophecy that the virgin or young lady uh, will give birth to a son and you'll call him Emmanuel. So that comes from Math, uh, Isaiah 7.14. So kind of go back in your Bible a little bit. You're going to go back 800 years in doing that, okay? Isaiah chapter 7. And here we see the context of where, of what this prophecy is happening and taking place. <laughs> Ophelia was going to come up and then she saw me and she goes, uh-oh, it's Pastor Brent. Um, and just a little bit, sometimes we read even with the gospel, we do what Matthew did, not that what Matthew did was wrong. It was fulfillment of what um, scriptures would say. But often we can sometimes look at something um, and we read it through our lens and through our context, and we totally miss what the context was when Isaiah gave that prophecy. Right? You ever done that? Been reading through the Old Testament and think, man, that's just for me today. And one of them is that um, God will prosper you, and um, it's from Jeremiah. Um, and people just totally miss what God was speaking to them, that God will prosper you and be with you. That was to the people of Israel coming out of captivity now, I believe it speaks to us today, but it, it's a lot more impact when we understand the context and the background to what's there. So the sign, if you go back to Isaiah chapter 7, you'll see that God is going to promise a sign. So the context is, is that Israel, Israel is in a difficult spot. And so at this time, uh, Israel is a divided nation, okay? And so... Um, if you look at the back of your Bible, you'll see a map of Israel. And you probably want the Old Testament map. But when they move into the promised land, they kind of live with judges and prophets for a time being. And then they say, hey, we want a king. Okay, kids say, we want a king. Ready? One, two, three. Oh, you have to do a little bit better. Come on, Grace. Lead them. All right, one, two, three. We want a king. All right, so... God says, okay, I'll give you a king. And so the first king is Saul, right? And then after Saul, you have David, and then you have Solomon, right? But after Solomon, um, Solomon's son would rule with a heavy hand, and the kingdom would split. He had 10 tribes. He had 12 tribes. So 10 tribes would stay in the north, and we would call that Israel. So when you read the Kings, the book of Kings and Chronicles, you'll see that there's a reference to um, the king of Israel or the king of Judah. Well, the king of Israel would refer to those 10 northern tribes. The king of Judah would refer to those uh, southern ones, Judah, okay? 
And so you have that split kingdom. And, and so when we come to hear Isaiah and Jeremiah are contemporaries, Israel is not doing well. They've been sinning against God. God's given them this great land. God says, if you obey me, I am going to bless you. But if you don't, bad things are going to happen. That's the bottom line. And they didn't do what God had told them to do, and so bad things happened, all right? And so now God is going to use the Assyrians, a very uh, cruel people. Now, G- Jonah went there and preached, and it's one of the greatest revivals in Scripture. Jonah goes to preach to the Assyrians in Nineveh, and, and they get converted. It's one of the great revivals. Um, but God would use these Assyrians, these very cruel people. I mean by cruel is when they would come in and, and take captive of places, they would torture people, they would drag them to death. We won't go into all the details, but they were cruel. And they used that terror to intimidate people so that they wouldn't fight. They would say, hey, come, <laughs> we're not going to fight. You come and rule us. So the Assyrians were in the northern part, right at the northern edge of Israel. And they were the dominant force. And God would use them to come down from the north and to bring judgment on Israel. Ultimately, that would happen in 722 B.C., all right? And then later, Nebuchadnezzar and the, um, and the Babylonians would be the dominant force, and they would take southern Judah, okay, and Jerusalem. So when we, ro- when we jump in here, Isaiah is writing to the people of Israel, and specifically to Ahaz, who is the king of Judah. And then there's Reason, who is the king of Aram, off to the east there. And then you have the king... Pekah, he is the king of Israel. So kids, you need those. All right? All right? And they, they, they're all part of the picture here. And Israel was in a tough time, especially Judah and Jerusalem. They were in a difficult p- place, and Ahaz wasn't the best king. He wasn't a very godly king. And uh, he has some faith there, but not much faith at all. And, and so he's feeling pressure. Why? Because the Syrians are going to come down and they're threatening to take them captive and destroy them. But beyond that, you also have the king of Israel and the king of Aram that want him to ally with them, to join forces. And he doesn't want to do that. Um, He's the weaker out of the three and he doesn't want to do that. Um, He would rather pay money to the Syrians to grant peace instead of joining forces with them. And because of all this, he was being squeezed. Um, he felt it, the people of Jerusalem. So Jerusalem was in the Judea part and, uh, in Judah. They were feeling pressured. And I totally skipped over my introductory stuff. So um, I'll come back to that later. And so they, they felt pressured. And so that's where this story takes place here in chapter 7. So I'm going to read this. And then maybe add a few things here. When Ahaz, the son of Jotham, the son of Uzziah, the king of Judah, the king of Reason, of Aram, and Pekah, the son of Ramaliah, the king of Israel, marched out to fight against Jerusalem, but they could not overpower it. Okay, so these two forces are trying to force Israel into alignment with them. But because Ahaz doesn't want to do that, they say, hey, we're going to take you and we're going to put our own king in place there. All right. Now the house of David was told, Aram has allied itself with Ephraim, so the hearts of Ahaz and his people were shaken, as the trees of the forest are shaken by the wind. <laughs> Zoe, if she, I don't know if she's watching this morning, but she read scripture last night and she was just shaking because she, she didn't want to read. Um, but they were shaking because of the fear that was there. You ever been so scared that you're shaking? 
Um, that's where Ahaz and the people of Israel are. Then the Lord said to Isaiah, Go out, you and your son, Shir Jashub, Jashub, to meet Ahaz at the end of the aqueduct by the upper pool on the road to the lander, lander's field. Say to him, be careful, keep calm, and do not be afraid. Do not lose heart, because those two smoldering stubs of firewood, okay, who are those? Reason and Pika, okay? Those two smoldering stubs of firewood because of their fierce anger. Reason and Aram and the son of Ramaliah, Aram, Ephraim, Ramaliah's son, have plotted uh, to ruin, saying, We'll invade Judah, let us tear it apart and divide it among ourselves and make the son of Telab the king over it. And this is what the sovereign Lord says. So he exposes the plot that these two kings have to overtake Judah. And this is the, prof the prophetic word that comes through Isaiah. It will not take place. It will not happen for the head of Aram is Damascus and the head of Damascus is only reason. Within 65 years, Ephraim will to be shattered to all the people. The head of Ephraim is Samaria. The head of Samaria is only Remela's son. If you do not stand firm in your faith, you will not stand at all. That's a good word right there. You should have that underlined in your Bible or highlighted in your electronic version. If you do not stand firm in your faith, you don't have faith at all. And that was a very specific word for Ahaz. Because Ahab, Ahaz was not, he maybe would have considered himself following God, but he didn't have any faith, and it's going to come out here. Verse 10, ask the Lord, this is what he says to Isaiah says to Ahaz, ask the Lord for a sign, any sign from the deepest depths to the highest heights. Ask the Lord for a sign, but Ahaz says, I will not ask, I won't put the Lord to the test. Doesn't that sound spiritual? Oh, I'm not going to test the Lord. But it wasn't really a sign that he was spiritual, it was a sign that he didn't have faith to believe. I will not ask the Lord, he says. Verse 13, Isaiah said, Hear now the house of David. It is not enough for you to try the patience of humans. Will you also try the patience also of God also? All right, so God sees through it and says, Hey, I know that there's no faith there. Verse 14, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin, or the young woman in the Hebrew. So in the Hebrew, it, it can mean virgin. Often we translate that virgin, and we go with that translation of it because we're looking forward to Mary and Joseph and the baby birth, okay? But in the Hebrew, it's young woman, okay? The virgin, the young woman will conceive and give birth to a son, and we'll call him Emmanuel. And he will be eating curds and honey and he'll, before he knows to reject right and wrong, and before the boy knows enough to, to reject wrong and right and choose the right, the land of the two kings you dread will be laid to waste. In other words, Aram and Israel are going to be wiped away. You don't have to worry about them. They're going to be destroyed. And the Lord will bring you and your people and on your house and your father a time unlike any other since Ephraim broke away from Judah. And the king of Assyria uh, will do that. And so what Isaiah says to Ahaz and to the people of Israel is that I'm going to give you a sign that I'm with you, Emmanuel, that I'm with you. And so we don't know who this young... So sometimes when we look at scriptures, we don't realize that there's an immediate revelation or, or fulfillment of that prophecy. 
a lot of the Old Testament prophecies, there was an immediate fulfillment of it, but there's also that other far-reaching, that future fulfillment of, of it. And so this is one of those prophecies that there was an immediate fulfillment of it, but it was also pointing ahead to who Christ was. So we don't know who the woman was, but some scholars believe that it was probably Ahaz's wife, and that either she had just conceived or was about to conceive and that she would give birth to a son. Who was that son? He'd be a king, and his name would be Hezekiah. So one of the theories is that it was probably Hezekiah, Ahaz's son. Now, Ahaz wasn't a good king, but Hezekiah would be a great king, and he would bring uh, the people back to God and stir their hearts, and possibly Isaiah was one that mentored this young man as he was young and poured into his life and that he would become a godly person. Now jump ahead to chapter 9. Verse 1, Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those in distress. Matthew quotes this. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. Those would be laid to waste by the Assyrians. But that's where Jesus would be from. Okay? But in the future, he will honor Galilee of the nations by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan. So Jesus would do many miracles there on the Sea of Galilee. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. And on those living in the land of the deep darkness, a light has dawned. So there is no doubt that this is a reference to Jesus the Messiah. You have enlarged the nation, increased its, their joy. And, and they rejoice as people rejoice as the harvest. As warriors rejoice in dividing their plunder. Whereas in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressors. Every warrior's boot is used in battle and every garment rolled in blood. And so before Jesus comes, that area of Israel would revolt against the Roman oppression and things that were happening there. And there would be some great um, oppression and and uh, the people of Israel would fe uh, endure a lot of persecution there. Verse 6, For unto us a child is born, for us a son is given. The government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called the Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God. You know what Hezekiah means in the Hebrew? God is mighty. So, could this also mean that the fulfill immediate fulfillment was a reference to Hezekiah, that he would step in in David's line and was the immediate fulfillment of it, but ultimately it referred to Christ. Because we, 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 we don't even, we just jump to the, hey, this is what it means, it was pointing to Jesus. But this was a specific word for the people of Israel. He'll be called the Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of His greatness, the government and peace, there will be no end. So this is definitely a reference looking for when Jesus will sit on David's throne in the millennial reign. See, some of that hasn't even been fulfilled yet um, during the thousand-year reign of Christ, and the zeal of the Lord will accomplish this. You doing okay, Theo? Doing good? All right. Um, so what was God saying? During the time of Isaiah, was it a good time or a bad time? It was a bad time. It was a bad time. 
But God's word through the prophet Isaiah is that I'm going to give you a sign, a son that will be born, to remind you that God is with you. And when Jesus was born, and Mary conceives and gives birth to a son, what was it like in Israel? Was it good or bad? It was bad. A lot of political tension. The Romans were there. They were looking for the Messiah, the Deliverer. And God's promise then again was there will be a virgin, a young woman that will give birth to son. His name will be Emmanuel to remind us that God is with us. You know, and often, I'm going to have the musicians come. You know, often Christmas is a time that um, we think is going to be a happy time. Right? You listen to the Christmas songs. You got Frank Sinatra, right, singing, Have yourself a merry little Christmas, right? All right? It seems so romantic. And then there's Amy Grant singing sleigh bells, chestnuts roasting on an open fire, right? Ben Crosby, I'm dreaming of a white Christmas, right? It's all romantic. And sometimes it is. But sometimes... Sometimes it's a little messy. Sometimes it's a little difficult, whether it's the politics, whether it's a pandemic, whether it is um, the other things that are happening in our world, wars, rumors of wars. Things are happening in our world, right? But what's the promise from God? Is that He sent His Son, and His name shall be called Emmanuel, that God is is with us. Right? God is with us. And sometimes we, there are those times in life where we really sense that God is with us. And then there's the other times where it's kind of like, God, where are you? And that's the time I believe that we need to remember what Isaiah says, that God is with us. Sometimes we can't see Him, we can't feel Him, But it's then we need the promise and we need to hold on to it. If we don't have faith, we won't stand at all, right? That's what he said. You don't have faith at all. We have to stand firm in our faith and believe and trust God that he is with us. Amen? That he is with us. I know for some of you that's uh, just right where you're at. God is with you. Amen. Amen. Father, this morning, may we hear the promise of Isaiah that those prophetic words that were for Israel during Isaiah's time and for the Israelites during when Jesus was born. And as Matthew quotes it, it's for our time as well. That God, you gave us a son and his name shall be called not only the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the Prince of Peace, the everlasting Father, but Emmanuel, God with us. God with us. You never leave us. You never forsake us. You're always with us. And so, Lord God, if if we need that promise this morning, um, I pray that you would just make your presence known to us and be here with us. As only you can. Thank you.